Hey, good morning. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? As you can tell, I had a little cold this week, and I'm feeling great, but it all sounds like it's right here. So you'll have to forgive my soft voice today, but I will depend on your just loudness with the Lord inside. Amen? In fact, let's give the Lord another hand today, just because it's good. Well, today we're going to talk about a good sorrow that leads to a greater joy. It's a topic that is at the heart of the gospel. Following Jesus depends on it. When you begin your relationship with God, it starts with this. And when you have a growing, authentic life in Christ, you actually depend on this. And the topic that we're going to talk about today is this word that the Bible calls repentance. And it may seem a bit impossible that something that begins with sorrow can lead to such great joy. But according to 2 Corinthians 7, and the Apostle Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, speaking to the Corinthian church and to us, true repentance before Christ brings cleansing, it brings comfort, it brings confidence, and it brings celebration in the Lord. And we're going to see this modeled today in a really incredible chapter in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And what's powerful about 2 Corinthians chapter 7 is it's a direct picture, it's a snapshot of, of people or followers of Jesus who repented of some of their sin, and then the fruit that followed in their lives afterwards, and the fruit that followed in their relationships and in their walk with the Lord. And the focus on this chapter is not so much on the front end of repentance, which is often what we talk about when we talk about repentance, but actually the focus of this chapter is on the after effect, on the results in the lives of people who are courageous enough to bring their brokenness to God and their sin to God. And there are actually many joy-filled stories in this room today uh, that I could share of stories of people who brought their sin and their brokenness and some pretty crazy sin traps in their life to the Lord. They're not my stories to share, but stories for other people to share of where they gave their brokenness, they gave their failures to God and then the fruit that the Lord brought to their life. And I want you to know today, I've, I've been a pastor for around 25 years now, somewhere around there. And in my life of just getting the joy to be a part of a church family, I have seen so many different people bring things like anger, affairs, selfishness, addictions of all kinds. And lay him at the feet of Jesus Christ and begin to walk free. And begin to see that fruit spread to not only their life, but all the lives around them. I will also tell you, I've witnessed the opposite. People who were unwilling to give their brokenness and their sin traps to the Lord and who, as a result, splashed a lot of different things to the people around them in their life that were destructive and 
really stole the power of God from the relationships that they were a part of. I heard a quote recently about the effect of sin, and this person said this, and I believe it's true. They said, sin splashes, meaning that when it drops into the pool of life, it gets everybody wet around them. Everybody gets wet when someone sins. And sometimes when you're reading the Bible, you'll read a phrase that speaks to this. The Bible will say things like this, that, it, that sin impacts the third and the fourth generation. And all the Bible is saying about that is that there's this total impact when someone sins. And one of the things that I want to declare to us today and to everyone listening online is, yes, sin splashes. It does. And it's an ugly splash. But righteousness splashes as well. Righteousness splashes as well. And it brings all kinds of joy and strength and health and life to people who have come to God in authentic repentance and are trusting God to work out that fruit in their life and in the lives around them. Uh, We used to have a dog that was a Labradoodle, so part poodle, part uh, Labrador. Uh, His name was Obi. And he was a rehomed dog. He had been highly neglected for the first six months of his life, and uh, we became his second home after that. And as a result of some of the neglect that he had faced for those formative months of his dog life, he was really untrusting of us as a family when we first got him. But over time, he began to trust us and just became a great family dog. But where we used to live, uh, we had a pool. And the pool that we had, you know, in the heat of Central California, you have to have a pool. I always say that was the best investment I made as a young father, so uh, when it's 110 degrees outside all the time. But in that pool, we had this step, and it was about four feet above the level of the water in the pool. And as a family, we would love to jump off that step into the deep end of the pool. And Obi, so his breed background, he was 75% poodle and 25% lab. But I would tell you, as far as dog swimming goes, he was the worst dog swimmer that I've ever met in my life. In fact, when he would swim, you would think he was a 125% poodle and a negative 25% Labrador because labs are known for just amazing swimming. But we would jump off this step as an entire family into the pool and Obi just couldn't help it. He had to launch in after us and he would jump into the pool and you would expect with his lab heritage, just this smooth, you know, like dog swim, like you think a dog paddle should be. But instead, this was Obi, just feet out of the water, just splashing like this and his back end would be sinking down and he just loved swimming around us and he was just splashing everybody you couldn't help but laugh and you would think to yourself that like somehow he was insulting his 25% lab uh, in his heritage and I share that story because all of us are splashing something with our life right now all of us are getting people wet with the actions of our lives These little ripples, these little waves, these tsunamis, depending on the size of our actions. And today's passage is an invitation through Christ to splash Jesus' life and joy into the lives around us and into our own life. And sometimes to do that through repentance. Because sin does splash, and it's an ugly splash. But repentance 
and obedience and righteousness splash as well. And I would ask all of us today, what splash is defining your life right now? I'm going to read some of the verses from our passages in 2 Corinthians 7. And by the way, uh, on any day when you come to worship with us, uh, right as you come in the doors, there's some greeters out there. To either side are some signs, and there's a QR code. If you ever want to download the notes, you can just scan that QR code. There's also one on the wall right there and one on the wall over there. Uh, but it just gives the notes for the day and has some questions to follow up afterwards as well. But would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? I just have to tell you, it is so hard for me not to get exuberant, and then, but as soon as I get exuberant, then I lose my voice. So this is like a, a measure in self-control this morning. So here we go. This is 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he has comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Therefore we are comforted, and besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. And his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. Would you pray with me? Father God, I come to you with your church today, and Lord, I just sense that though my voice is quiet, Lord, that your voice is loud today in this room. And Lord, we invite your presence in this moment. We invite you to speak, and Lord, I pray for a spirit of freedom over the hearts of the people that hear your word today. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak and to work in only the way that you can. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated. By the way, I want to remind you that two Sundays from now is uh, Daylight Saving Sunday, where we fall back an hour. Everybody looking forward to that? You get an extra hour of sleep, all right? But on that Sunday, we're doing our worship services a little bit different that day. Uh, we are having one service at 10 a.m. We're calling it our all-together service. So there won't be a service at 9 a.m. And there won't be one at 1045. There will be only one at 10 a.m. But uh, if you show up at 9 a.m., we're going to have pancakes out on the patio. And just a great time to be together as, an, as one church family. And so we're really looking forward to that time. We've got some baptisms that Sunday. It's going to be great uh, to celebrate what God is doing. You're also going to hear some testimonies of just how the Lord is working in some lives. Our children are going to be seen. It is going to be a day you don't want to miss. In fact, I would say it's a day that you don't want anybody else to miss either. One of the greatest and most evangelistic things for someone to experience is a church family that is passionately worshiping God together. 
And so I would just think, man, who's someone that you want to invite to church on that Sunday? It's a great Sunday to do so. But what time is breakfast on November 6th? Say it out loud. And what time is church and only one service that day? 10 a.m. You got it. All right. Well, I want to offer some simple definitions for repentance. And the first one is this. Repentance is turning from sin to God. Repentance is turning from sin to God. And basically, after a time of failure, it's a prerequisite for experiencing a new work and blessing uh, with the Lord. And today's passage is all about the splash of joy it can bring after such a time. Another definition is repentance is a genuine grief over our sin before God that leads to a deeper life in Christ. And what's so unique about the Bible passage that we're in today in 2 Corinthians is that it's a picture of a post-repentant community. It's a snapshot of a group of people who had all kinds of disruption going on in their relationships, and they gave it over to the Lord asking for forgiveness. And now it's a picture of what happened afterwards as God is working through that repentance. And they had been at odds, they had been overtaken by bitterness and division and deceit, and Paul is talking about the results that were pouring into their life now. And of course, in a group of a church, like was in the case of the 2 Corinthians, not everyone had kind of gotten to the right place with the Lord. But in this moment, the Apostle Paul is speaking to those who have. And in a way, he's going with the goers. And so from their example, I want to share some reasons repentance flashes out joy. And the first one is that repentance brings cleansing. Verse 1 says, so we have these promises, beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And so basically based on the promise of who Jesus is, and based on the love of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul is inviting us to be cleansed from anything that would defile us, anything that would pollute you know, our own life, uh, pollute our mind, pollute our relationships, pollute our community, and to live in the power of obedience. And there are two really important words in this verse that I, I just don't want us to miss today. And the first one is, is that we are beloved or that we're loved. That while we were fist-shaking, rebellious sinners, that God loved us so much that he sent his one son, Jesus Christ, from heaven to this earth to invite us back into life with him. So that everyone would know that we are more broken and more sinful than we could ever dare believe before a holy God. We are. And yet we are more loved and more accepted than we could ever dare hope because of what Jesus Christ did for us. That Jesus Christ went on the greatest rescue mission ever accomplished on the face of this planet in leaving heaven and coming to this earth to invite us back into life with him. You are that loved. And that love is the soil that supports repentance. And there's another word in this verse, and it's the word holiness. He says, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And part of repentance is a reverent fear for the holiness of God. Christ wants to cleanse us from the inside out, and it begins with repentance. And we give our garbage to God, and by the way, we all have garbage to give to God. 
But when we give it to him big and small, over to him, out of reverence for his love and his holiness, it actually opens us up to the pipeline of the fullness of his spirit and his relationship, where our guilt meets his love and his holiness. And those two words are so important, because if you don't understand God's love, and you don't understand his holiness, in many ways, you'll never come to the place of understanding your guilt before a God who would go so far to love you. Uh, there's a true story of King Frederick II. He was uh, the king of Prussia in the 18th century. And on one particular day, he decided to go to the prisons in Berlin, Germany, uh, that were in his kingdom. And he went into this one prison, and there were all these prisoners inside, and they were all yelling from their prison cells to him as he walked through the prison how innocent they were and how they shouldn't be in prison. And there was just huge commotion over the entire prison. But there was one prisoner in jail that day who wasn't saying anything. He was just sitting quietly in his jail cell. And King Frederick II, he heard all these prisoners yelling about their innocence, and he noticed this one man who was sitting quietly by himself in his cell, not saying anything, and he walked up to him and he said, well, what are you in prison for? And the man looked at the king and he said, well, uh, armed robbery, your honor. And the king looked at him and he said, well, are you guilty of it? He says, yes, absolutely. I deserve every punishment that I get. And the king called one of the prison guards and he said to him, I want you to free this guilty man because I don't want all these innocent people corrupted by him. <laughs> Repentance also brings comfort to you and to a whole lot of other people. And yes, it takes its time to work its way out after a time of cleansing. And some people that we have wronged along the way aren't always ready when God has already brought us to a place of repentance because it takes time for relationships to heal. And sometimes uh, it just takes a little bit longer for certain relationships that have been damaged. But Christ's love and grace and acceptance are available 100% the moment that we come to God. Amen. And Paul and the Corinthian church were an example of a bunch of exploded relationships and a big group of people have asked for forgiveness and have begun to let God cleanse them from the inside out. And their results are splashing out because that's what repentance does, it splashes. And it begins with a healthy sorrow over our sin before God, a good sorrow. It's a good sorrow, but it leads to a greater joy. And it leads to splashing God's righteousness around to others. And one of the byproducts of that splash is comfort. God's comfort. Paul puts it this way, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. Basically, Titus, who had been sent by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church, he has come back with news of how they have responded to the Apostle Paul and have re-embraced him because there had been a division between Paul and some of the people in this church. And they've re-embraced him as their spiritual leader and as their brother in Christ. And Paul says that news brought this rejoicing splash. He says, God who comforts the downcast. And it 
began this chain reaction of comfort. And righteousness or right living splashes and the wave may take a while to arrive. And sometimes when we begin to ride that wave, it takes a little bit more time for others around us to get on the wave with us. But it will splash on all who look to God to be their great comforter. And yes, sin has definite consequences in this world. It does. I am not minimizing the consequences of sin. Evil is evil, and it always will be. But our God is loving enough and powerful enough to bring good out of the worst evil, even when we can't see how. It is the message of the heart of the cross. And sin can destroy relationships and families and churches and even workplaces. But authentic repentance splashes for God's glory because God's grace is that big and his resurrection power is that strong. Verse 8 says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter grieved you, through, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. See, what had happened was sometime between the writing of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, these letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, Paul had written an additional letter. And in that additional letter, he had confronted them with truth and with grace and called them back into relationship with him. He says, I know that that letter made you grieve. You were remorseful, but only for a little while because you responded to the Lord. He says, you were grieved into repenting. And when we confront someone, anytime we confront someone in our life, we want to do so with a heart for restoration. Can I hear an amen? We come with truth. We come with grace. But if you only come when you're confronting someone with a, a desire to nail them to the wall, you know, then you're missing God's heart for any moment of restoration. Paul says he was grieved a little while, wondering how they would receive his words, but now that he's heard through Titus, who had come to visit them, that they had restored things with him, he's now rejoicing. And I really love how Paul defines grief, or their grief. He calls it a godly grief. Godly grief begins with remorse over our sin, but it leads to conviction, which leads to life change which leads to fruit, which splashes. Not only in our own lives, but in the lives around us. And it leads to following Jesus where you come to this place where you realize once again that following him means surrendering everything. And as we grow in Christ, we learn that he loves us enough to not leave us where we are. It was Henry Blackaby who once said, you cannot stay where you are and go with God. I love that quote. I'd still be living in Tracy if I didn't know that quote. You can't stay where you are and go with God. Godly grief is a good sorrow over sin that leads to a greater joy over your life, which is why repentance splashes. And this allowed the Corinthians to comfort Titus, who then comforted Paul, and the ripple effect is in motion. And again, I realize 
that sometimes when someone has followed God and his heart towards asking for forgiveness for something, that it does take a little while for people around us to trust that it's real. But I have never seen a case where someone has repented of something genuinely and it has not splashed out goodness for God to people around them, never once. And when we are genuinely sorry for something and we realize that we've wronged other people along the way, we do whatever is possible in our power to make things right. We write letters. We give people space sometimes. We reach out to them. We try to have conversations. We do whatever is possible on a horizontal level in those relationships after we've made our vertical relationship right with God by bringing our sin or our brokenness to him. And one of the fruits of that is the comfort that it brings to people. By the way, uh, I really believe that confession and repentance is a team sport. I really do. In fact, I challenge you to find a single verse in the Bible that speaks to repentance or confession that is not plural, where it is saying, you all do this together. The most powerful repentance happens when we go to God in prayer, in community together, and we give our stuff to God. And we have other people around us who are praying and speaking God's grace and his truth into our life. Can we bring our stuff to God alone? Absolutely. God will take us however we come. But the most powerful life change happens when we bring our stuff to God together and we have people who are walking with us in the journey. You know, there's a very powerful group of people that meet here every Thursday night and they bring their hurts, habits, and hangups to the Lord. In this meeting, we call it Celebrate Recovery. It's really a bunch of normal people like you and me who are bringing their stuff to God and experiencing the freedom that the Lord gives when we come to Him together. You know, I know uh, that some of you pay a lot of attention to some of the greatest churches in America and some of the greatest speakers. In fact, for some of you, I'm probably the third message you've already heard today. You know, you've listened to David Jeremiah or somebody else, and that's okay, it's all good. But I also know that if you pay attention to some of the national influencing speakers of our nation when it comes to church leaders, you're very aware that over the last five years and going back much further than that, but there's been some huge moral failures that have come out with some of the most prominent leaders, you know, Christian leaders in our nation. And every time something like that happens in any church family, whether it's you know, a church of any size, everybody kind of takes a step back for a moment and they go, well, man, how did that happen? And how, how did that go on for so long? And there's this splash. And there's damage in relationships. And there's damage in the community around. And after one such event in a very large and influential church in our nation some years back, one of my friends was talking to one of their friends, and I would quote their name, but I just don't know the name because my friend told me this, and it was recorded in a blog later on, so it's public information. But there was an event that happened in a church. There was a moral failure for a pastor, and people were asking, you know, you know what's your take on all of this? And my friend was talking to one of his friends and just saying, well, what do you think about all this? And this is what he said. It was written down uh, in its public knowledge. 
without throwing anyone under the bus, can you give me your insights into this situation and many more like it that happened in other churches? So these failures of a leader. Without blinking an eye, he responded, in these situations, there is either truth, humility, and repentance, or there is deceit, pride, and sin. And until the first three are a reality in all parties, there can't be full healing. Repentance is something that God calls all of us to, whether we're pastors or parents or parishioners. Now, I'm your lead pastor. I hope I model for you a life where I'm the repenter-in-chief as well in my own life with God. You know, the Apostle Paul in this passage sums up the heart of repentance in verse 10 when he says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Repentance without regret is a great way to live. Can I hear an amen? And he says, worldly sorrow produces regret about sin, but without Christ it leads to death. And he's speaking to what it means to begin a relationship with God and how repentance is a heart broken before God that leads to salvation when someone understands how much God loves them and how holy God is and what the effect of sin has done to us. And yet anytime someone comes to Christ and they give their life to the Lord, even after you first ask God for forgiveness and you invite him into your life, as you begin to grow, God begins to show new areas in your life that you weren't aware were far away from his heart. And so there are these continual moments where we give our stuff to the Lord. And by the way, when things like I mentioned earlier happen in a church family, uh, people get hurt. All of us have experienced church hurt on one level or another. But I gotta tell you, my own reading of the word lately, I can't tell you how many times I see God speaking to healing among a church family. And next week, I just want to share ahead of time, Lord willing, I'll have my voice back for one. (laughs) But next week is a message that is for anyone who's been hurt by church or someone in the church or feels like they've been hurt by someone in the church. I want you to know I'm your pastor and I've been hurt by the church. But next week's message is for all who have been or will be in the future. And I actually have a bold ask of you. If you know someone who's not in this room today and has gotten deconnected from any church family, been hurt by a church, would you be so bold as to pray and invite them to church next Sunday? I really have a sense that the message is for them and for us. Repentance also brings confidence, verse 15, and his affection for you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of you all, how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you all. I I, I know it's difficult to take in all that's been happening with the Apostle Paul and the Corinthian church. It happened so long ago. But what I want you to realize is that this was a complete reversal where now all of a sudden this, this community that was fractured has now been restored together with the Apostle Paul and righteousness is splashing. And yet at the same time, I don't want to underplay that it was a process that began with repentance and over time that repentance began to bear out fruit 
in the relationships that led to confidence. In fact, you know a relationship's been restored when there's confidence in that relationship again. And that takes time. And this is far more than not being angry or simply forgiving someone or even simply putting up with someone. But one of the ways that repentance splashes out is true life change over time builds confidence among people. I was reading something recently and the author was pointing out how when you look at Jesus Christ in the Gospels, the very first message of Jesus that we see in the Gospels in the book of Matthew in his adult ministry, his very first message is to repent. And then every time after that, when you look at the rest of the Gospels, the central message of Jesus Christ day in and day out is to repent. That eternal life is dependent on repentance. In fact, he says, he tells the poor to repent. He tells the rich to repent. He tells the powerful to repent. He calls the scribes and the Pharisees to repent as well. Repentance is the key to eternal life. And yes, sin splashes and it's an ugly splash like my labradoodle in that pool. But righteousness splashes as well. Oh, would you hear that today? Righteousness splashes. You know, the worst recorded tsunami in modern history is known as the Boxing Day Tsunami. It took place on 2004, uh, on the day after Christmas, on December 26th. Some of you might remember it. It was a day where underneath the ocean floor, this huge undersea megathrust nine-point earthquake took place. It was the third largest recorded earthquake in history, and it unleashed a series of tsunamis, waves of over 100 feet onto all of the communities that were connected to the Indian Ocean at the time. And communities along the surrounding coast of the Indian Ocean were devastated, and an estimated 228,000 people lost their lives that day. It is the largest loss of life for any recorded you know, disaster in modern history. And it unleashed these savage tsunami waves wiping out streets and buildings and cities and whole communities. It was a powerfully destructive force. And when we think about what sin has done to the world, it's very similar. I mean, apart from Jesus Christ, sin has created this wave between us and the holiness of God. And yet Christ came to heal that division and to invite us into a life where we're not giving out ripples of destruction and ripples of this, but instead we're splashing the righteousness of God and the hope of Jesus Christ into lives around us. And never underestimate the ripple, the wave, the tsunami, or the splash that coming to God in repentance will bring not only to your walk with the Lord, but to everyone around you in your life. And finally, repentance brings celebration. I'm jumping back to verse 13. Therefore, we are comforted, and beside our own comfort, we rejoiced still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. This is a really beautiful verse. It's a picture of the result of true repentance in families and in friendships and in fellowships where their repentance and healing with Christ led to so many more things. And it's actually the reason why we get so excited here at Encounter when someone gets baptized. Amen? You guys all clapped when I mentioned baptism earlier. Because, yeah, we can give the Lord a hand for that. 
And the reason for that is baptism is a picture of repentance. Because when someone gets baptized, they are declaring outwardly, physically, what Jesus Christ has already done inwardly in their life. Where we take someone and we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as they're being laid under the water, the words that are being spoken to them are buried with him in baptism as that body goes under the water. And you know what? I just believe that God knows we need to physically feel that water just coming over us. And we need to physically feel the water as we come out again. And the words that are spoken of us are risen to walk a brand new life. See, baptism is a picture of everything that this passage is talking about today. And my question is, are you ready to jump in to the pool of God's goodness? Because you can't stay where you are and go with God. And coming openly with our sin and our brokenness to God is a good sorrow that leads to a greater joy. You know, in a minute I'm going to pray, and I'm going to actually ask you all to stand right now with me as I pray. But as I begin to pray, I just really felt like Lord wanted me to give everyone here an opportunity today to come before the Lord. And if you feel led or you feel the Spirit nudging you, there's some space up here in the front of the room, and I just want to invite you to come up, and you can stand, you can kneel. And just take some time to give over to the Lord whatever you need to give him today. And it may not be that you're giving him something that's broken or some sin. It may be that you're just surrendering a broken situation to him. Or a broken moment to him. And you're inviting his goodness. And so I'm going to pray. And as you feel led, just come up here and kneel. You might have a friend sitting next to you and you just go, you know, I need a friend with me today. And just bump him. Come on up with me and let them pray with you today. There's nothing better than giving our stuff to the Lord. Let's pray together and come as you might feel led. Father God, we are so thankful today that we can come to you as we are. Oh Lord, we're so thankful. We can come to you with all of our fears and all of our brokenness and all of our failure <coughs> and lay them at your feet. But Lord, we're also thankful that we dare not leave the same way we came. And so Lord, we come today in the soil of your love and with an awareness of your holiness to bring our sin, our burdens, whatever it may be, and to lay them at your feet. And Father, we declare today that we come all equal to the foot of the cross to be raised up by you. Lord, would you meet your people today? And I just invite you right now, you know, if you if you're fighting the Lord right now, like you know you need to come up, there's just something about physically expressing what God is doing in your heart. I just encourage you, just come on up here and pray. Bump someone next to you if you need to, come with you. We love you, Lord. We give you our burdens today. We thank you for your goodness. 
Lord, we lay our stuff at your feet today because we want to splash for your glory. We surrender it all to you today. Feel free to come as you feel led during this song. Let's sing together.